We are Rogue Media Sports. Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Jesse Moore, and welcome to Icon Leadership Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Icon Leadership Podcast. Today on the show, we have Waco morning anchor, producer, reporter, <laughs> fellow podcaster, Pete Sosa. What's going on, Pete? Jesse, thank you so much for having me. Oh, man, no problem, man. Yeah. Pete, tell us something about you, man. Well, I guess the first thing I can tell you is uh, I wake up early in the morning. <laughs> that was one of my questions. Very, very, I wake up very <laughs> early, but I'm from uh, I'm from outside Philadelphia. Sure. A lot of people ask me, "Oh, you are, you know, how'd you end up in Texas?" I ended up in Texas, um, you know, through work, uh, and uh, I love it. I've been here for six years. I didn't, I never thought that I would be here for this long, and uh, I am. It was kind of like one of those things, like when you get out of the way, it's just kind of God doing for you. Yeah, you know what you can't do for yourself. Like I did not opportunities have sprung up from me being from Waco or living in Waco that I never thought would happen. Sure, man. Yeah. I get it. You know, because one thing, uh, when I came to Waco, I was only supposed to be here for three years. Where are you from? I'm from Louisiana. I was born and raised in Louisiana. What, what part? A little town called Evergreen, Louisiana, but you know, uh, but it's between Alexandria and Lafayette. Okay, I know, I know the area because I, I lived in Monroe. Okay, yeah, yeah. up north. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah okay. In northeast, yeah. So how long did you uh, live in Monroe? Two years. Two years? Yeah, oh, okay, I, I worked then. at KNOE, the station there. Oh, okay then, yeah, all right. Uh-huh. So it seems like, uh, so you, you worked for... The Philadelphia 76ers at one point? I worked for the 76ers. I worked for the Charlotte Bobcats. I worked for, and eventually the Charlotte Hornets. So I worked in in public relations for a while. Yeah, in in basketball. So I was always kind of, always kind of had my foot in sports. Right. So so you had a four-year football scholarship. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. It's a great (laughs) question, man. You and I, you and I were talking about this. Earlier, uh, like from a medical side, sure. uh, I was, I went to Archbishop Carroll High School in Philadelphia, and I was going to play in an All Star game. And they discovered before I played in the All Star game, uh, my senior year, that I had cardiomyopathy mm-hmm. and uh, you know an enlarged left ventricle. So I had already gotten a scholarship to go to Richmond, and it signed. And so they found out about my heart, and they were like, you know, you're not going to be able to play football. But the university and the guy, the coach, I'm forever indebted to him. The guy's name was Jim Reed, uh-huh. and he said, "We're gonna, we offered this kid a scholarship. We're gonna honor it." And so they just had me work close with the football team all four years. Oh, that's good, man. Yeah, it that's, was. It was that's great. a blessing. That's yeah. a blessing, man. Yeah. So tell me, how did you get into to broadcasting? You know, tell me about that. Well, I, I always as a kid, 
my father always watched the news. Right. Uh, my dad. My dad watched the news. He watched Peter Jennings, um, <laughs> and then before that, he watched the local news, Jim Gardner. So I always knew that was important. And right. you know, you always want your dad's attention, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew that was important when the guys, when Peter Jennings was talking, we weren't allowed to talk. So that was, I realized that was important. And I always had the gift of gab. I can remember, you know, watching sports and turning down the volume and 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 doing, you know, calling the game. Um, right. And so it's it's pretty cool now because now I'm, I I call sports and I do the news. Right. So it's like, you know, my, my dad's passed away, but maybe somebody's smiling. Right. right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, you know, back in the day, you know, the older generation, that's all they did was look, watch the news. Dude, that's all that that's that's it. I mean, and you couldn't my brothers and I would be watching TV. Yeah you know, like Three's Company reruns or whatever, right, what's right. happening. Yeah. And my dad would come home, he'd be like, put the news on. Right. And that was a huge deal. And that's you're exactly right. That was prime time, man. Yeah, that's where I get mine from, because I'm always watching the news. Yeah. So so, so uh, in the evenings when I get off, I want to try to catch the 5 o'clock news. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's part of your habit. It's, yeah. like, it's like a comfort zone. It's weird, as it, uncomfortable as the news can be. Absolutely. And 6 o'clock, I look at, I have to see Nora O'Donnell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then after uh-huh. that, then at 6.30, I mean, at at six thirty, uh, yeah, it's five thirty. At six, at six o'clock. Yeah. Then I have to look at go back and look at the news all over again. Yeah, the, right. The local you, news you, all you over can watch again. It. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. that's the beauty of it today. We can right. always go back and look and rewind whatever. It's always there for us. Right, right. Yeah. So, 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 Pete, you have your own podcast. So this is this is one thing, Pete. I used to see you watch you every morning because yeah. I get up at four something in the morning, four thirty. I'm popping on the five thirty. You're at work. Man, look, man. But look, before then, that's before my shifts. My shift uh-huh. change uh-huh. and so then i would be watching watching your show you know uh-huh. i'll be seeing you and i was like and then you mentioned the payoff with pete that yeah. you were starting your own podcast and i was like man you know what <laughs> i wanted to start my podcast and so dude you know what man i got it from you well it's dude i, I appreciate that and and and, and this is kind of like one of those things like stuff happens for a reason like you and i met and i just got instant like good vibes from you we, we met on the trail right in right. Cameron park yeah absolutely and uh, you know it's just good energy, and and that is um, that's why I started the podcast because a huge part of my story is that I'm sober. Right. Uh, 11, Congratulations. Thank you very much. Eleven years, um, and it's the best thing that ever happened to me. But I knew that when I had to get sober, uh, it was really hard right. at first. It was really hard to stop. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to have fun or right. All this stuff in my head that right. wasn't true. Sure. So I figured, okay, now it's my turn. I have a platform. I'm sober for a while. Life is good. I'm having fun. Right. Now it's time to kind of give give back. Absolutely. You know? um, uh, whatever you want to consider it that. But I figured if I had a platform, I, I, I could go ahead and share with people, hey, there's a good life right. on the other side of all this, right. this craziness that could be addiction. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you've had a lot of famous people on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when you look at it. I, I, you yeah. know, and that's that's the hook is that. Just like, and I'm not famous, but I, I, I'm sure you. Are. Well, I'm notable in a sense around here. But so I figured I have this little corner of the world that I can help people on. You right. know, my corner of the street. Right. Let me have this podcast about sobriety and people that are, you know, out there. Right. You know, like the people I've had on my podcast, they feel the same way. Right. You right. know, so if people want to help, 
that have been through that uh, addiction component. So, man, one day I was uh, I was training for uh, I think the Miracle Match here in Waco, and I was running on the other side by the uh, by the Dewey, I think. And so I was yeah. listening to your podcast, man. And so I'm just listening. I'm just so I forgot this guy. I, f- I forgot his name, man. But he was saying that he was in recovery. Then he went back or something yeah. like that. And so I'm just listening. Then was, it, was it maybe it was Ryan Leaf? Could be because he was a, he bounced in and out and now he's been sober for a long time. Yeah, could be man. Mm-hmm. And so, dude, as I was running, I was just into it so much, man. I tripped, <laughs> I tripped over a grate. You know what I'm saying? And when I tripped, I just I landed back. I, I did a somersault or a roll and ended right back up. And I just started. I looked around, see if anybody was looking. Nobody was looking. I just kept going. <laughs> That's like, a, hopefully, we have that kind of luck as we get older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I was like, man, that could have been bad right there. <laughs> I'm the perfect guy to be with you when you fall like that because I've definitely been there out on those trails. Yeah, that could have been bad. Yeah. So tell me, you know. How did you get into broadcasting? I know you said that your your, yeah. uh, your dad was watching the news all the time. I, well, I got into so out of college, I used those relationships, and it's you know you asked me about uh, the football scholarship, so I used those relationships in college to right. kind of get into sports, and I had those jobs working in public relations for the Sixers and and then the Bobcats, and they turned into the Hornets. But then I I couldn't ever shake my addiction, so you know it got worse and worse and worse, and finally, I'm the only. The last stop on the bus for me was to go to treatment, right? So sure. I went to treatment, and when I was in there, you know, you talk about you have a full heart and a clear mind. And I was like, what do I want to do? Right. And I was like, my passion as a kid was broadcasting, sports, and my dad was so into the news, I used to watch the news with him, so I knew, okay, that's what I want to do. And I used to, I called basketball at the University of Richmond on the college station play-by-play. Mm-hmm. So when I got sober, I said, this is what I want to do. Right. You know, and, and, and so that's what I did. I put all my energy into being sober and into starting a new career. I'd never broadcasted a lick, really. I did some wow. radio a little bit, but, you, you know, that wasn't much. And so I had to start all over. And I was... Right. You know, in my 30s, early 30s. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's how I got into broadcasting. I worked for the Hornets, all the places that I was a mess uh, because of my addiction. I was able to go back and show them, hey, here's how I look. Here's my life now. Right. After I had a couple years of, of sobriety. Right. And people, you'd be surprised. Folks out there that are worrying about, okay, I burnt this person because I'm, uh, of my addiction. When you get well, time takes time, but. All those, not all of them, but for me, a lot of them did, came back around. And so I got an opportunity with the Hornets. I worked in Charlotte. That's good. I did broadcast and I did radio for them. And then I ended up doing some news in Charlotte. And then I ended up in Monroe. And, and now I'm here. And, and right. now I've been able to do, you know, because of relationships in Waco, I've done a lot more sports. And now, so I'm doing play-by-play for ESPN. And I'm doing the news here locally in Waco. And I got my podcast with sure. Rogue Media. Right. So life is good. Good, great, yeah. man. So tell me, what qualities make a good journalist? Well, you got to be interested. Okay. You have to be curious. If you're not curious, it's, it, it's not going to work out because people will, situations aren't always, I work with Keisha Lopez every morning. Right. And, and I drive her nuts, right? right. But <laughs> Keisha, Keisha is an old school journalist. She is a curious, curious person. She was a reporter on the street for a very long time. In my opinion, she could be a reporter anywhere she wanted. Right. But she's here. We're lucky to have her in Waco. We're good. Um, and she's an anchor here. So, But she is curious about stuff, and that's what makes her very good. And you also have to, 
you got to want to tell the truth. Right. Like, you know, we're looking at Mike and Allison here in that other room. They're producing this podcast, right? right? If Mike tells me that it's raining, right, I'm inside. Mike says it's raining, and Allison comes in and says it's not raining. It's my job to go outside and find out what the hell's going on out yeah, there. right, absolutely. Like, I, I have to, I, I can't necessarily always go on what other people are saying. I have to find it out. Right, yeah. yeah. Investigate. So, investigate, there you go. Investigate. Yeah. So tell me, you know, it has to be stressful. You got a lot, of, you wear a lot of hats. How did oh. you, how do you manage stress, you know? Well, I, I t- I'll tell you, um, you know, I, I have a 12-step program. I said it on my podcast. So I, I go to AA meetings, um, mm-hmm. and I have for a very long time. And uh, for me, that has worked. And so through that program, the 12-step program, I've developed coping mechanisms where I used to get super stressed. And now I have like a toolbox where I know, okay, I can go. Even yesterday, I was sitting around. I was anxious about some stuff. I was by myself. I was trying to take a nap. It didn't take. Right. You know, you're in your head. Right. And I was like, okay, there's actions I can take to work towards a solution here sure. sitting here and 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 just going crazy isn't going to help it right and drinking is off the table and sure. has been for a while right. and right. i don't even want to anymore right um and that's the beauty the obsession becomes lifted after a while but so that is what i do to relieve stress uh talk to other people that have similar uh thought processes i do sure and also talk to people you know that are in my craft, I, talking to people, right. you know, putting it out there, I guess, is how sure. I cope with it. Being vulnerable. Hey, I'm stressed out today. It's been a long day. Right. Uh, you know, and getting that off my chest. So you have to get up at what? What time do you get up in the morning? Man, <laughs> the alarm goes off at 2.45. Oh. I, I'll, I'll hit snooze, uh, but I got to be up by 3. Right. And then I'm. Tr- I need to... I need to, I used to be better with this, and now that I think I've had more on my plate, I'm not as good. Right. But I, I got to get there by 3.30, and I'm not always there by 3.30. <laughs> but but so, they can't start without you, though. Uh, well, well, they can. Well, oh, yes, yes, they can. Oh, they can. Yeah, yeah. I, got, I, got, I got some shows that I can show you that oh, they, yeah. oh, all right. the show goes on. <laughs> um, but uh, it'll, I'll tell you a great story. Okay. Right? And I promise I won't take us too, too over with this, but it just shows nah, about man. the great people I work with. So a couple weeks ago, I, you know, I've been doing this for seven, six years here and eight years overall. And I just overslept a couple weeks ago, <laughs> flat out overslept. <laughs> and uh, I woke up and there was a knock on my door. It was my boss. My news director came to my house. He was like, oh, man. Right, first thing he asked me, great guy, Bob Walters, are you OK? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm OK. And he said, Get dressed, get to work. Keisha is off today. She called in sick. Allie, who's our morning reporter, is by herself. And so I was like, boom, I never got dressed so fast. And, <laughs> and I got over there. And I was there by the time the, I guess, by the time the five o'clock or 530 started. Right. But it happened. I mean, right. in the morning news industry, like that will happen. Usually there's a little, there's more cooks in the kitchen where Allie isn't by herself, but you know, it, it, it happens. Yeah. She was like, what the heck is going <laughs> oh, on? Oh, yeah. She was pumped because it was her chance to shine. Yeah, yeah right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, man, can you explain a time when you had a, uh, you interviewed someone and they wasn't so, you know, wasn't very cooperative? <laughs> yeah, there's, I'm trying to think if there's one example. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think anybody. I, sh- I should be able to. Oh, I, I had this one time where, I was interviewing a woman, and and this was before. I mean, 
this was uh, I hit it right down the middle politically. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I get people on this side. I get yeah. people on that side. I'm I literally I'm like an independent, right? I try right. to let things swirl around and make decisions on myself. Right. By myself. We had this one woman on who was uh, a, a politician and she just wasn't being honest. Right. And uh, I had to be like, hey, like, you know, this is, it was the first time in my life I was like, I've got to dig in and, and be like, not aggressive, but right. what she's saying is not true. Right. So I had to stay on my ground. And, uh, and you know, it was a good back and forth and it was healthy. I totally respected the woman. Right. An another time was during COVID and Governor Abbott was very accessible, and like him or not, he was always there for the people of Texas during COVID. Sure. And I was anchoring the new news a lot at the time, um, and so I interviewed the governor on many occasions. Mm -hmm. And he was such a smooth politician, more pol more polished than I was. And so I asked one of our this guy Rick Bradfield, who's since passed away. I was like, he keeps going on and on. Well, how do I stop? How do, how do I get in there? and be respectful, because I didn't want to be like, oh, you know? Yeah, right. And he was like, you just have to say, Governor, we're, we're pressed for time, we need to get on to the next question. And and I'll still do that. Or right. Governor, I hate, to, I hate to stop you. Like, it's okay just to interject. Right. If you do it, it's like anything in life, Jesse. How do you handle it? Right. Hey, Governor, we I have to get in one more question that I know people are gonna want, want to hear the answer to. Sure. And it, and it worked, you yeah. know, like it was, so I, I, I learned, it's all about experience, but some tough customers taught me, you know, and it yeah. still can be, it's super awkward. It, it, like if you are interviewing somebody and they're not giving you maybe what you had anticipated or hoped for, right? <laughs> it is what it is, man. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. life. It's like a bad first date. You just kind of got to get through it. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good, it'll make for a good story. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell me, how do you make sure that your your information? I know that okay. So you get stuff coming down the pipe all the time. Yeah, sure. You know, so how do you just make sure that hey, look, I just I need to make sure that this is correct. This that I'm doing. You, it's a great question. Man. Yeah, that's a great. You, you know, there is. You know, you'll get information from we're a CBS affiliate, so we get information from 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 CBS, right. and uh, you know, we get stuff from all other. The Associated Press is always a good one to mm -hmm. go with. You think that they're honest and right down the line. You know, it's it's tough because I mentioned like the hours. Like you have to ideally, you have to get in there and get prepared and read your scripts over. Right. So if something looks like it's not right, you have to check. Like if a reporter sends you, or or you, or has a story and you're reading through it and you're like, well, this doesn't seem right. Right. You got to say, hey, you know, what are your sources on this? Who told you this? Yeah, absolutely. Like, and and you can tell right away whether the sources are, are legitimate or not. But we are in such a, a weird climate, and that's what I love about local news. Again, we were talking about people on different sides of the aisle. It's our job on the local level to really not have any bias. Right. Because we right. see it all over the place. It's, right. You turn on this news station, you get that. You turn on that one, you get that. We want to be straightforward. And so I just think it's about your sources and who are they. Um, and and trusting trusting them, you know, right. and also trusting your gut. When you see right. something that's not right, right, it's like, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't look right. Let's at least check. Right. So, man, how do you how do you stay, man, straight down the middle? Because it's 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 a tough time. That's, that's man, man, that's tough. I, I I I go back to my dad. He was an independent, and I and I watched him. You know, he loved Ronald Reagan, but then there were some things he liked about Bill Clinton, and then he goes back to George Bush, and and. I always appreciated his ability to 
just see things for what he believed right. was right. He, right. He didn't, I don't think my dad ever was like, I believe this and rah, you know, like, right. and right. so I appreciated no that. No turning back. And honestly, yeah. I grew up watching Peter Jennings with my dad and, and I, I know it wasn't as toxic of an environment back then, but you could ask me what Peter Jennings was politically and I still don't know. Right. You never I, know. No, and I admired him. So I try to stay with that model. And I also try to be careful, too, because sometimes I can really think, well, that's crap. But I'm like, that's not my job right. to tell people it's crap. I'm not here to right. get This isn't an opinion show. Right. And people will email and remind me that sometimes. Right. <laughs> you, know? yeah. you don't get a lot of emails, do you? Oh, you'd be surprised. I mean, you get, you get good and you get bad. I had this one woman the other day. She called me a douche rocket. And I, so I responded. She emailed and she's, the subject heading was Pete Souza. She said, I'm sick of him. Uh, I'm sick of him giving Keisha a hard time. Keisha and I are like brother and sister. Right, right. And so she said, he's a total douche rocket. So I was like, okay, I'm going to email. I said, hey, uh, her name was Whitney. She said, I'm not going to say her last. Hey, Whitney, sure, sure. what's a douche rocket? <laughs> and to her credit, she responded with a picture of me. All it was was a picture of me and an arrow and the word this. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> At that point, Jesse, I just responded to her, well done. And I was, I was, I was you got like, a friend. Oh, yeah, I you got have a friend. friend. And, and, I'm not, and, you, know, and you, you also, you learn that you're not for everybody because right. if you're around long enough, a lot of these emails come to everybody at the station. Sure. And there are people who I respect and have been around much longer than me that get people kind of coming at their neck. And you just have right. to be like, hey, it is what it is. Right. Have you ever had to uh, recant a story? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, this was wild. Gosh, I haven't thought of this in a while. So do you remember the, um, was it the Zika virus? What was it called? The, uh, it was it was in 2015. Everybody was come, going to like Caribbean countries or like, um, oh man. I don't remember. Were they getting bit by mosquitoes? Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so what was it called? This, I, I don't remember. Okay, so that virus anyways was, I mean, this is before COVID. This is 2015. Sure. Um, and uh, we had a story that I had on, on good information that a doctor had treated somebody that had the, let's call it the Zika virus. I okay. think that's what it was called. Um, and so I called the doctor and talked to him. I had him on the record. He was like, yes, I treated this person. They have the Zika virus. Um, again, I'm sorry for wrong with the name. That's okay. And, uh, I, I, I didn't give the person who had, you know, I can't like say, okay, this person has, is this patient. But I did say, I talked to Dr. Smith, uh, in my, at Monroe general hospital He's confirmed that there is a case of Zika virus and it is here in Monroe. And the guy was like, I did the story. It was like at the top of the new news. And the dude was like, I never told you you could say that. You know, I never said it was on the record and oh, blah, blah, blah. Man. And I felt awful because I know the guy did tell me right. that it was, he told me on the record, but he, he probably got some real feedback from corporate. You know, you yeah, work at right. a hospital. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know how yeah. that goes. Oh, yeah. So I had to come back and, and recant it. Um, you know, later on in the show, because he got right on the phone. And uh, oh, yeah. and my boss was real cool about it. He's like, you know, he's been around for a while. Same guy, Bob, was my boss in Louisiana that is here. Uh -huh. And he was like, look, if you say, you know, a lot of times a good news director will stand behind his people. He was like, if that's what you, you said, that's fine. But this guy's right. saying it didn't happen. Like, we've got to, you know, for, for specific reasons because of, you know, the big hospital in Louisiana. Like, we, we have to, you know, if we sure. don't have it written or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. Brian Williams, man, that was man. That's a great. That, that's a great reference, dude. Man, 
Yeah. I never would have thought that he would have been fabricating stories. Man, it's, you know, he, it's, I, I think it, it's, everybody's got an ego. Right. And he just got, Brian Williams got really carried away with Brian Williams. Man, he was, man. man. I mean, it was, it was almost as though he believed it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, honestly, like, I feel like he thought he was telling the truth. <laughs> and and that shows, and, and I don't know what this is like. Yeah, sure. But if you are in that, you're the NBC nightly news anchor. Right. You're making probably upwards of $3 million a year. Right. Wherever you go, everybody's, and this is before, again, we got pretty toxic on the air. People loved the news. Right. And they loved the anchors, and they were kissing Brian Williams' ass wherever yeah. he wanted. Yeah. He just started, you know, I, I, I would assume that's how something like that happens. Because yeah. like you, we were all shocked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Big ego. Big, I, I, would yeah. th- I think so. I mean, what, what do you think? I, I think so too, man. I'm just like, man, how could you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because, you know, you have so many followers. Yeah. And, you know, now everybody's like, you know, just as, just as soon as, just, just the same way that you rose up, yeah. now you have to, you know, fall back and down. And that's kind of screwed up. Let me ask yeah. you this. You mentioned that you watched Nora O'Donnell, so uh-huh. you watched CBS. Yeah. Did you stop watching Brian Williams and go to CBS after that happened? No. Okay, No, okay. no, because right. I think I went to, uh, uh, who was it, uh, Lester Holt? Lester Holt. Yeah, I, the, yeah. He's my favorite. Yeah, Lester Holt. Yeah. And then uh, then I came back to Nora, Don- Nora O'Donnell. Yeah. And then uh, that's, that's, about, that's about it. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. I'm trying to figure out, is there anybody else out well, there? Well, David Muir is the guy on ABC, and I give yeah. him credit. Yeah, yeah. He, now, he was a good guy, too, but he had... Uh, I stopped seeing. I don't know why I stopped watching him. He, he is. He did a very good job. You know, again with that, everything that's going on uh, with the uh, indictment of Donald Trump and the arraignment. I thought ABC did a really good job yesterday. Like, at just just again hitting it right down the middle and getting it from all sides. It's it's like juggling chainsaws now. Right. You right. Know, to, it's yeah. impossible. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you another guy that I used to listen to all the time, Chris Cuomo. Oh, oh man. You know, yeah. I, I liked Chris Cuomo <laughs> too. I thought yeah. he was when I started my news career. I thought, you know, I'm from Philadelphia. These guys yeah. are from Long Island. They're yeah. from, or New York City. Yeah. Queens. There. I, I like the Cuomos. They're tough and. Uh, yeah. And then it's like, you know, and it's like anything, you know, you just like the tension and the heat around him. I guess he combusted. And yeah. 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 Right. Again, I wasn't there, but I used yeah. to really admire him, too. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, man, when you hear the words uh, DEI, diversity, equity and yeah. inclusion, what comes to your mind? It's the right thing. I, I mean, I, I when I hear that, I feel like I feel good. Right. I, I feel necessary. Right. Uh, because here's the deal. Like. I, I grew up in, a, in an all-white neighborhood. Yeah. There were some, some black kids around, but like an all-white neighborhood. And then when I started to play sports, we would go. I played in the Philadelphia Catholic League. We would go, and we were more integrated with, with guys in the city, right? right. playing basketball and football. Sure. And then I went to Richmond, and half your team is they're, they're black. Right. And at first you're kind of like, hey, what is this? You're kind of, I was kind of like, I, I wasn't quite sure. I went to a thing, I, I didn't, Richmond's a really good school. Right. And so my grades, my SATs were good, but my grades weren't perfect. <laughs> Let's just like say. Like my grades. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to go to this thing called summer college. Right. Uh, before school. So it was me, like like a semester at Richmond before. And it was me, um, a another basketball player who was a white dude. Or, or a basketball player, and everybody else was black because right. they were being integrated into Richmond. And, you know, for wherever they were from, you know, it was like, okay, let's get everybody together and get them on the same page. Right. That experience changed my life. I, I now, till the day I graduated, I was friends with Joanna. I was friends with Ulrich. I was friends with Abril, you know, people that weren't of my race. And then in the locker room with football, 
half your team is black and they become your brothers. Right, absolutely. And you see that some of these people don't, didn't get the same opportunities that I got. Right. Flat out. They just did not get the same opportunities that I got. So opportunities uh, for inclusion, I think, I believe are good. Right, you right. Know? So tell me, what do you think about Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese that LSU Dude, you versus- are good at this, man. <laughs> Gosh, this is good. Um, okay, I thought, like, everybody, I, I was more excited for the women almost than I was for the men, the Final Four. I right. mean, and I was very fortunate. I got to call a lot of Big 12 basketball, um, and uh, that was, like, really uh, awesome. But the women... Um, this year, which just were so captivating. The, the Kim Mulkey thing, her being from Waco. and Man, she's glamorous, isn't she? Uh, she is something else. She's a, she is something else. She's a star. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Oh, she's a star. So um, I thought that what it, Caitlin Clark did with the, with the you can't see me, the, the hand gesture. Right, right, right. I thought it was awesome when she did it in the Elite Eight, I right. guess. And I thought it was fine when Angel Reese did it to her. Right. These are competitors. Right, right. That is what happened. People... I don't want to say people don't understand because that sounds silly, but like when you're out there, right? There's all kinds of crazy emotions happening, right? And you've got to like understand. She didn't like run after her, taunt. I mean, what she maybe what uh, Angel Reese did was a little over the top, but like so what? It's we trash talk. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's what That's we what, do. Michael Jordan, Larry Bird. I mean, Gary Payton. Oh Since man. Since the beginning of time, people talk smack and. I mean, Charles Barkley, I watched him on 60 Minutes. I don't know if you saw him yeah, a couple I weeks did. ago. I saw, he yeah. spit on a fan. That said, that changed his, his entire... Said, that's the lowest point. And so, but we love Charles Barkley. Oh, yeah. Like, and he admitted he was wrong. And what Angel Reese did was nowhere near that. Right, and, uh, right. So it's, I, I think it's interesting how people get so... Uh, yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <know>? Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's great competition. I, th- yeah. I think it's fun and exciting. But, I think that maybe... If these two players square off again, it'll be more intense. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely, man. <laughs> yeah. in the, uh, it'll be in the women's NBA, though, right? I'll be in the WNBA. Yeah, WNBA, yeah. I, th- yeah. I, th- I think yeah. Angel Reese has another year, and I'm not sure what Caitlin Clark's going to do. I think Caitlin, this was her last year, though. Okay. You, I, 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 think, I think she might have one more, like, oh, one of those does? COVID years. Oh, she is, here's the thing, Jesse, and I heard this on good information. Like, she's making a million dollars a year, Caitlin Clark is, through that NIL. Man. So it's like, why would she, if she can stay another year at Iowa and do that, yeah. why would she go anywhere? That's more than what they make in the, in the <laughs> oh, WNBA. More. <laughs> you know? yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Say, Pete, so do you have a mentor? Yeah, I got a couple. Most of them, and this is something that I've been, I got two guys that are broad, play-by-play guys that are, that mentor me. I mean, I don't ever call them mentors. They're more sure. friends. But right, right. there's a guy, Roy Philpott, who works for ESPN who does play-by-play, that if anything comes up where I feel skittish and weird, I can call him and he'll guide me through it. He's always there for me. And another guy named Matt Devlin, who does play-by-play for the Toronto Raptors, he he has been a friend for life. Um, When I worked at the Charlotte Bobcats, he was the play-by-play TV guy there, and he worked for TNT. He called the NFL and Fox. Matt is another guy. Um, And I was lucky because I did this thing called spotting, Mm -hmm. which is – a play-by-play guys calling the game and you stand next to them and you point who made the tackle and you point who caught the ball because they have so much going on right in football yeah so i was spot i spotted for both matt and roy for years so i got to see how they digested everything going on when they're broadcasting a game for espn so i i channel that when i'm doing games now and uh 
those guys, those guys are, you know, they're like family. Yeah. So those are my two mentors. I really don't, you know, Julie Hayes here in town. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Julie is my mentor yeah. on the news side. Like she is the person who, if something weird's happening or I don't feel right about it. I mean, Julie's been in this market for twenty years, and before she did the noon news, you know, she was hard news every night. Right. And she still does hard news today on yeah, that. Tell right, me something right. good. So Julie, I think, would probably be on a local news or or hard news level. She's who I go to. It was good. good yeah. Man. And honestly, Keisha's an awesome resource. And right. Taina Maya, the girl I used to work yeah, with. Yeah, I used uh, she's in Killeen now, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, Taina, she's a pistol. Man, I know everybody, man. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I mean, that's good. You yeah. are, clearly you Sean, watch the best, you watch the best station in town. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh does how does God play a role in your life? <sighs> how doesn't he? Yeah. And, and 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 I was not always a spiritual person. Right. I was raised Catholic. Um I never had any issues with God, but I definitely like stepped away for a, sure. for a while. Sure. Um, and then when I got sober, uh, I, I realized that, you know, there is a power greater than me. And I struggled for a while. Right. Um, spirituality is a huge component of getting sober when you're working 12 steps, right? Absolutely. And uh, for a while, I used that to not get sober. Well, that's crazy. That's all God focused, whatever. It doesn't have to be God, you know, this man in the sky, you know, whatever your version of God is. Right. It can be a power greater than yourself. And so I was I had it so bad that I was like, well, I gotta believe in this power greater than myself. And the more and more I believe in this power greater than myself, I kind of came back to God. Right. And the, the bottom line is, and I'm not always I'm not a saint. I'm not no. always doing the right thing. Let me get it, man. Yeah. yeah, nobody. But when I'm doing since I've been sober for almost twelve years, I'll a lot of times be faced with a situation when I'm like, I've got to turn my will over to God. Right. You know, it's as simple as to what would Jesus do bracelets, but it's like, how would God handle this? You know? Right. Um, and so when I turn my will over to God, I kind of remove my, which can be idiotic thinking or, or emotional sure. thinking sure. or aggressive thinking out of the way. And I just kind of settle down and try to do the next right thing. And over t 11 years of doing that, my life has improved exponentially and I'm, more spiritually fulfilled sure you know what i mean yeah. and so that to me is real evidence that there is a god you right. know and, and and there's a there's definitely a, a power greater than yourself and you know i i call him god right i mean i'm i'm dating a woman right now and she, she's not she'll never hear this i can say this i don't i don't <laughs> think she will i hope she will but she's not like that as as spiritual i mean she's right. kind of but she's not sure. sure and i don't judge that no uh, that's I, I do not judge people who are, I get it. Everybody's on their own journey. It's the same thing about the podcast I do. Like there's a million ways to get sober, right? you know? So you know, maybe not a million, but there's more than just the one that I use. Sure. Yeah. What would you have to say to someone out there that's listening to this podcast that want to uh, get sober and they just don't want to take the first step? Oh, I, I'd say you never, as bad as you feel today, you never have to feel this way again. Like if you're feeling awful today, you're hungover after a bad run or something, or you're drunk right now and you just think you can never get it. I was there. Like you never have to feel that way again. And there is always hope. There is always hope. I mean, I have seen the most, I was very hopeless. Uh, and I have seen the most hopeless person step into, you know, that, that, that's been to 20 rehabs or 50 rehabs or whatever. And, and, and they, something happens. Right. And now they're sober for 20 years and they're changing people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. 
peep, man. I really appreciate this. This has been like my favorite conversation <laughs> of all time. Hey, man. I, I, dude, Jesse, thank you so much. You, you do a great job. Hey, man. Thanks a lot, man. I try, man. Yeah. I try. I try. Man, thank you for coming on the show. Dude, thank all you right. for having me anytime. We'll have you back again. Oh, all right. w- w- whenever you want, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. And when this is up, I'll, I'll, of course, I'll share it and stuff. I can't, sure. I can't wait. This has been a real pleasure. No problem, man. Yeah. Thank you all for listening to the Icon Leadership Podcast. You can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts. You can find us at roguemedianetwork.com or you can email us at iconleadership at gmail.com or our website, which is iconleadership.org. We are Rogue Media Sports.